But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Luke chapter 18, verse 18 through 19. And the ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Good morning once again, brothers and sisters. It's good to see all of you here this morning on Zoom. And as we continue to worship our God this morning, I pray that the Lord would capture your mind and capture your heart as we sing these songs together, as we declare God's goodness and greatness with our own lips. Uh, may it capture your heart, may it capture the center of who you are, and may you boast in knowing Jesus and in knowing Him and Him alone. We continue our series on the fruit of the Spirit, and today we are going to look at goodness, what it means to produce goodness. But I want to remind all of us once again that this fruit that bears or that is born out of our lives is only born because God has planted His Word and His Spirit in our hearts. God is the one who has placed in us His Spirit that allows us to, to repent and allows us to declare that Jesus is our God, that Jesus is our Lord. These aren't simply words that come out of our mouth as sort of a, a declaration that we make simply to get by. This isn't sort of like signing a document to, to for a car loan or a mortgage. This is a declaration with our whole being, our whole heart, that we belong to God. Our duty in many ways is simply to cultivate our heart with the Holy Spirit, to cultivate what God has born within us. Read your Bibles, brothers and sisters, and let God's word bore deeply into your hearts. Pray passionately to your God and ask him for a deeper, deeper understanding of repentance, that you may have a deeper and deeper understanding of your reliance upon God. Pray that the Lord would transform you, that he would be the center of your life and not you yourselves. And in so doing, you will bear fruit. In its season, you will bear this fruit. And so our duty here as we go through Galatians and we go through this fruit of the Spirit is for us to see what type of fruit we should bear. And if we are bearing this fruit, we say praise be to our Lord because this only comes from God himself. 
But if we see that we're not bearing this fruit, we need to go back into our hearts and, and ask God, God, help us to rely upon you, to depend upon you. Help us to love you. Help our hearts to be captured by you. Help our imaginations. Help our dreams to be about loving you and serving you and being with you. Well, today we look at the characteristic of goodness. What does it mean to bear goodness, brothers and sisters? Well, before we get into sort of the pragmatics of what goodness looks like, we have to go back and see what it means to be good. Now, we say this all the time. If you grew up in the church, you would have grown up singing, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. You probably remember someone would say, God is good. And you would reply, all the time. And then they would say, all the time. And, and you would say, God is good. And even that phrase, God is good, for many of us, is a balm to our hurting souls. To be able to say to God, you're good all the time. You're good whenever and whatever happens. You're good. It's a declaration of God's provision and love for us. And it's a declaration to ourselves that everything will work out. Now, we see in creation, when God created all things, he said, I separated the darkness and the light. I created the light. It was good. I created the stars and the heavens the moon and the sun, and it was good. I created the heavens, the sky, it was good. The birds, the animals, it was good. And finally, I created Adam and Eve, and it was very good. Genesis chapter 1 gives us a picture of what goodness is. If we did not have Genesis chapter 1, if we were not people who were, who were, um, who, who understood God's word or lived apart from God's word, to understand what goodness is would be very difficult. What is good? What is good for one person may be good for another person. What is good in one time of history may be good in another time of history. You see, what is good really depends upon someone from the outside or externally declaring something as good. We ourselves, if we do something ourselves, we, we ourselves are, are looking for other people to say, hey, what you made, what you did, that was good. 
We can't in and of, in and of ourselves simply say, oh, I, I did something. Is it good? Is it not good? I'm not, you're not sure. And if you think that you can, in your insights, declare what is good and what's not good, that's not the way the world works. We are people who live in the midst of other people. And we want our community, our society to say what we're doing is good. We need affirmation from other people to say that what you accomplished is good. Here in Scripture, we, we, we see that, that fallen vestige, that fallen need to have others to declare what is good. Well, we see it in terms of the fact that God himself, when he created all things, that God was the one who declared externally that all he created was good. Goodness is simply and only defined by what God, by, by, sorry, is, is defined by the covenant relationship between God and his creation. God made all things. All things belong to God. God made all things. All things exist and persist because of God's grace and God's mercy. All things in creation are dependent upon God for its existence. Everything is in covenant relationship with the Lord. And the Lord in his being, because he is good, and because he made all things, he made all things and declared them as good. You see, everything around us that God made in its original state was good because everything reflects our Creator, our Maker. We look at the heavens, it's good because God made it. We look at human beings and we look at the marvel of how they were made and we say, that's good. God made them. And so for us as, as Christians, our idea of goodness is not, does not reside upon what the mob says does not reside upon what our own little community says, but our idea of goodness resides on what God says. And in fact, if we don't hold on to God being the arbiter of goodness, our idea of goodness as human beings will fall apart very quickly. We will be led by a leash to whatever our friends may say, to whatever the news may say, to whatever the world may say. But for us, goodness, what is good, is only defined in reference to God and His goodness and to His love for you and for me. 
Now, how does God express this goodness to us today? Something a little bit more tangible. First is this. God is good in that he provides for all of creation. God is good in that he provides for all creation. His covenant with creation, his promise towards creation is to sustain the life of all things. It is why we we read that God sends the rain and the sunshine on both the good and the evil, both those who bow the knee to him and those who rebel him. God provides. God is good. God himself has has given not only provision to, to all of creation, but God gives talents and gifts all across the board, whether they know him or they don't know him. God is good. God gives music talent to those who will not recognize him. God gives the gift of wealth to those who will not bow the knee to him. God gives us rulers, educators, business people, musicians, artists who do not know him. But yet God gives these good things to all of creation. We as ourselves, as God's people, when we see that goodness around us, this common grace, as we say in theology, this provision for God to give all things, and this common grace of of gifts and abilities that we see all across the board and in all the peoples in the world. We look at that goodness and we say, you might not know this, but your giftedness is from God. How good God is to you. Martin Luther put it this way. He says, when we pray the Lord's Prayer we, and we say, give us our day, our daily bread. And we think about, okay, we're praying that. Now, after we pray that, we, none of us expect bread to sort of come down from heaven and for us to start eating. But what does God do? Well, to, to use a more modern analogy, there are farmers who are farming. Those who farm will, will reap the wheat. Those who take the wheat will take it to a factory. At the factory, they'll grind it. They'll take that, that wheat and they'll take it to a, a place where they can, they, they can make bread. After they make bread, they, they put it in a truck. The truck goes to a, a, a warehouse and that warehouse takes it to a grocery store. Then you go to a grocery store where there's a, a business where, or, um, which has, has a bread section and you go and you buy it from them. The Lord provides for all people through this common grace. God is good. And no matter sort of what the, the um, uh, ulterior motives may be of, of this whole chain or process, no matter how sort of um, broken it is, no matter how much we see sort of the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, the perhaps the unfair practices in there, 
there is still goodness in the provision of bread on your table and that God is working within that goodness. It allows us as God's people to not get jaded in this world, to know that God is working all these things. That even in the midst of humanity's rebellion, even in the midst of, of individuals who are abusing the system, God himself is in control. And God will use all of these things for the goodness of all of creation. It's God's common grace. Grace. It's God's provision. It's what James 1.17, every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above. All that you have comes from God. And God himself always gives what is good for all of creation. You see, for us as Christians, our mindset should not be, our mindset should not be, oh my goodness, I got this piece of bread. Look at all the evil that has been done to get me this piece of bread. That, that's not the mindset of a believer. The mindset of a believer is, although the world is broken, although there's still evil in this world, how miraculous it is that God still provides for all the peoples of this world. It is the goodness of God that captures our imagination, not the evils of people. And it's the goodness of God that allows us, we will get to this, to love people as well. The second part of God's goodness is for us as God's people, those who have come to know the Lord. We, we who know God understand that God gives us every good thing. Psalm 84 verse 11 says it this way. No good thing does God withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 forward, it says, Of which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? We as God's people, we instinctively know because of the Spirit that God is good. That any circumstance and every circumstance that comes into our lives is not meant for evil or for harm, but it's meant for our good. And we trust that God, when we ask Him for good things, that God will provide according to his wisdom, according to his grace. And we trust that he, as a good father, would never give us anything that would harm us, but only that which leads closer to him. 
Now, brothers and sisters, sort of what I alluded to in the, in the beginning of this message, it is one thing to know in your head and your mind that God is good. But in order for us to bear fruit of goodness, we need to get that head knowledge into our hearts. We need to be able to see all things and capture all things within our minds that God is indeed good. And in a sense, the more extreme and an extreme uh, illustration that you can make for yourself, the more extreme or God-centered of an illustration in real life that you can make for yourself, and the more you can dig that deep into your heart of God's goodness, the more you'll be able to bear the fruit of goodness. Let me give you an example. Have you ever been traveling down the road and you get lost? Perhaps with your, with your family or with, with friends. And you just get upset. It's like, I can't believe we missed this exit. We absolutely missed this exit. And you start looking around and looking for someone to blame. It's your fault that you didn't pay attention. No, it's your fault that you didn't pay attention. And the arguments ensue. And then all you can think about is we missed this exit. Therefore, we can't do what we planned. We can't do A, B, and C. And you start thinking, oh, my goodness, all these days of, and weeks of planning this vacation, of this trip, gone down the drain. And you start not liking, <laughs> having, having arguments. And you start to feel your heart hardened. And you start to feel like, God, what? I mean, we missed this exit, God. What, what's going on? But then you get off the next exit. You're hungry. And then there's this little restaurant, perhaps. And you sit down. And you have the best meal you ever had, unplanned. You meet the owner. You have a wonderful conversation about where you live, about the area. You learn something you would have never learned. And then you start talking about your faith. You have this wonderful conversation about God. And you look and you realize God's been good. That there was no mistake. That God providentially provided something better for you than you ever planned. You need to go into your mind. You need to go into your memories. And remember the goodness of God. Of the little ways that he's provided for you. And to see that it was God's hand, not 
not something that was just by chance, but it was God's hand working. And we need to go back in, in prayer and thank God. God, I look back in my life. This is all you. You're good to me. And second, you need to go deep into your heart again with Scripture and see that the salvation that God has given to you is a free and lovely gift to you. Go back if you need to and see the ways that God has grown you. Go back and see the way that God continues to stay with you, stick with you, even though there are parts of you that aren't, don't seem to change. And go to God and say, God, you're still good, even though I'm still evil in many ways. You're still good. How can someone so holy love me? But you're good. And so our hearts and minds have to be captured by God himself, of his providential goodness, of his salvific goodness in our lives. And our framework must look at all things and not see evil as the, the source of the way, uh, evil or brokenness as the lens by which we see some goodness, but we must see goodness, God's goodness first, as the lens by which we can understand the brokenness out there. If you do it the other way around, you will become a pessimist. You will become someone who's, who's um, cranky all the time. You'll be someone who's overly critical all the time. But if we see everything in terms of God's goodness first. Look what God's gift to, look what God's given to look what God's given to you. And then give thanks. Instead of being that child who looks at the gift and says, This isn't what I wanted. This isn't you didn't give this to me. This what you didn't buy this for me. Someone else bought this for me. Well, what is this? <laughs> but instead you look at God's gift and you say, God, thank you. Thank you that you've provided. Now, how does this work out in our lives? There's just two things in particular. One is that we recognize the goodness in all people. We recognize the goodness in all people. All people, they are evil in the sense that they will not recognize God. But God in his common grace has still given them good things. It enables us to enjoy a baseball game with someone. It, en it enables us to enjoy art with someone. It enables us to, to talk about family with someone. And so you can love people, not by simply saying, let me tell you about the gospel, but you can love people by simply treating them as humans and recognizing the gifts that they have, even though they themselves perhaps don't see God working in them. We do. Our initial reaction to any person should not be this person is evil or this person can't be trusted. Our initial reaction is this person is made in God's image. I see God's goodness first and foremost. And I will love them because God made them. 
our ability to be good towards other people who are not good to us comes from God alone. So I implore you, be good to people. Recognize the gifts that they have. Recognize the, the fact that there will be some people, there will be people who do not, do not know God who are better at serving the poor than the, than the church itself. Recognize that. And recognize the good that's there that God has placed. Second of all, portray God's goodness of the gospel in the way that you live. Portray the goodness of the gospel in the way that you trust in God and in the manner in which you love the saints and you love the people around you. This is important. And this is important because we're also moving into a new building. When we look at the brothers and sisters in Christ, when we look at just even our own families, do you see sin first or do you see goodness first? Do you see God's grace and love working first or do you see the person's struggles first? Again, if you look at people's struggles and their sins first, that road will lead to a road of legalism and judgment. You will start judging people according to what they do. But if we take the road that God wants us to take, I will love my brothers and sisters and be good to them. Because God is good to me. Then your heart will be towards mercy and grace and forgiveness. Jesus loved you this way. He still loves you this way. God is always good to you all the time. God still provides for you even though you rebel. God's spirit still works in you, even though you yourself at sometimes put yourselves at the center of your life. God is good to you. Rejoice in God's goodness. Rejoice in the goodness of God that you may share that goodness with others. Live your life in such a way that the goodness of God is at the center of all things and not the brokenness of the world. Live your life in such a way that every gift that God gives you, you do not, you, you, you look and see God's hand. Live your life in such a way that, that you, you see God's goodness in your spiritual life. And then go. Love people with that same goodness and mercy. And let the world know that you belong to him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy in all things. You are good. You indeed are so good to us. Lord, we confess that we are a people who will bend the definition of goodness depending on what we want, Lord God. But Father, that not only confuses ourselves, 
but that confuses people around us as well because we're always trying to figure out what other people think is good. But Lord, we do not bend, Lord, to the the needs of of of, of this world. We bend towards you and what you define as good. So teach us, Lord God, to allow that to sink into our hearts, that we may love people in truth and love, that we may see, Lord God, your handiwork in all things, that we may truly love with grace and mercy and not be a people of cynicism and judgment. Lord, we can only do this, Lord, if we ourselves are um, drinking in from the fountain of your word. Help us, Lord, not to listen to this world, Lord God. This world sees, unfortunately, this world sees everything as evil, everything as against, everything as you versus me. But Lord, we see your world. This is you. This world belongs to you. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.